Hey guys, Darren here. Things are changing quickly in the world of socialist media. Please don't wait for us to disappear before you begin your journey of finding out where we went. Go to darrenstott.com. Yep, that's my name. darrenstott.com. Put in your email address and then we're going to be able to stay in touch. People are disappearing every single day on social media and on app stores. Not even our apps are safe anymore. And so make sure that you go to darrenstott.com, put in your email address, and that way we should, in theory, be able to stay in touch. Thank you so much for supporting this ministry. We love you. Let's get to the podcast. All right. Gospel means good news. Like, you can't change the definition of the gospel. We failed to take control of something that God had given us stewardship over. This is not just going to be given to you. You're going to have to stand for something. That's what the battle is for. The battle is for your awakening. The battle is for your first love. The battle is for you to, to awaken. When God's saying, get on the way right now, begin to move with what is happening right now, and stop looking and fantasizing in your mind and imprisoning the revival that God wants to bring. The Supernaturalist, The Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Hey guys, good to see you. Pastor Darren here. Been getting lots of comments, hundreds of, of comments on my Facebook, uh, as well as um, emails. And uh, people have been sharing with me um, quite liberally there, uh, which I, which I'm I'm excited about. I'm excited that uh, people feel comfortable with uh, uh, sharing with me how they feel about me, and I, I appreciate that people feel free. Um, in this incredible country that we live in, um, to freely share with me how they how they feel about me. Uh, one of my favorite comments was uh, somebody just put um, F U, uh, except for they didn't put the letter F or an E F F. They 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 spelled out um, a word that rhymes with truck, um, and so uh, F U was all they. Uh, somebody else uh, said that they were reporting me um, to the FBI. You said, Pastor Darren, what did you? Gosh, what did you do? Um, well, I'm being accused of being political. I'm being accused of being a political pastor. And well, we certainly can't have that, uh, can we? We got this thing called separation of church and state, which means that if you're a pastor, uh, you need to uh, shut up. You need to just be quiet because if you're a pastor, the only right that you have to speak on is uh, things that are in um, the Bible. And so if you believe that pastors have no business being political, this is the video for you. I'm glad that you're joining me. If you haven't met me, if you've never heard of me, my name is Darren Stott. I pastor one of the most incredible churches in the world called Seattle Revival Center. God's doing incredible things. Every week people are getting saved, healed, delivered, demons coming out. Why? Because Jesus is alive and the kingdom is open for business and our church is open uh, for, <laughs> for business. Now, uh, what you should do 
is go to my website, darrenstott.com. I got a, a podcast, a bunch of stuff. Who cares about all that? Why should you go to darrenstott.com? Because a little pop-up is going to come up to enter your email. The reason why you do that is that because it's probably just a matter of time till you can't find me on Facebook um, uh, because of just all the stuff that's going on. Massive, massive censorship. So uh, a lot of people don't believe that pastors should be uh, political and Facebook believes that everybody should be political unless you disagree with their ideology, um, which I do. So you should go and put in your email address so that if we get disconnected on socialist media, we'll still have a way of communicating and I can let you know what platform I'm moving to. Um, as you saw, uh, uh, Charlie Shamps doing the same thing, put up a thing on his Facebook. He's got two strikes against him. Uh, third strike, you're out. So if you follow Charlie, you should also uh, go to Destiny Encounters and put in your, put in your email. So I want to talk about this thing. Um, should pastors uh, be political? And before I dive into uh, into my my answer, I just want to say that traditionally um, I haven't been political. I've never had the website telling you how you should vote. I haven't had um, pastorsvotechoice.com. Uh, Calm. Um, I have never necessarily been uh, that that guy. Um, I used to find a certain amount of uh, glamour associated with uh, politics and and government. Um, there used to be something that was that was appealing to me. And then I had uh, a, a season. It was actually more like eight years where I was involved uh, in local city politics and got more involved than perhaps what I wanted to be and got to see kind of the, the, the back end, the backside of, of, of just local city politics, let alone, you know, national politics or statewide politics. And what I saw, I didn't, I didn't like um, to the degree where I had to actually kind of begin to question my heart, like to the degree that when I would see somebody that's just on city council, my heart would just cringe. I got to the point where if I heard you were on a city council and any city, I would just cringe. Now, that's not a new story because um, that was my same story when it came to the church, okay? I was raised in the church, and there came a, po a point in time when um, I really didn't like the church anymore. In fact, um, I, I really didn't like Christians anymore. And there's a point in my story where if I found out that you were a pastor, I definitely didn't like you. And if I found out you were an Assembly of God pastor, well, then I definitely, definitely, definitely didn't like you. And then that was because I was raised, um, my dad was second generation uh, assemblies. Uh, my parents went through kind of a divorce, um, went from being, you know, a popular pastor's kid to being a nobody, going to a, a new school, making new friends, trying to figure out my identity. Man, I was a broken bitter mess. And I was done with the church. I was done with, never done with God. I could, I could never deny God, but I was certainly done with the hypocritical, compromised um, church. Just done with it. And um, God healed my heart. Okay. And now I, he's brought me to a point, point where I'd be willing to lay my life down for, for the very people I once um, despised for the very people I couldn't stand. And so um, I used to hate the church and now I'm serving the church. And I used to hate politics and hate politicians. And I still kind of do. And the problem with that is that, uh, and I'm just being honest, that you might not, you know, expect that from a pastor. But like, um, uh, I wish I could say that I love politicians. Uh, I, I don't. I'm working through that with the, with the Lord. In fact, just being transparent, I'm finding myself right now 
in a very similar place of when the Lord said, I'm calling you into something that you despise, okay? So I feel like the Lord is calling me into that, which is gonna probably trigger a certain amount of you because again, if you're a pastor, then you can't be political, right? That's absolutely, you can't. And, and if, you, uh, if you are political uh, at, at all, then you deserve to be uh, cussed out and you deserve to be um, judged and you, get, you, you deserve to be all, all of these other things. So I've received um, political words in the past where you're, Darren, you're going to be used in this certain kind of area. And I was just like, okay, thank you for that word. But inside I was like, no, absolutely not, you know, you know, get out of here. I remember one time as a kid, somebody prophesied over me that I was going to be a pastor and I told them, no, I'm not. And they said, well, why not? And I said, because I hate people. Well, Darren, you're going to be involved in politics. No, I'm not. Why? Because I hate politicians. And then even going into, and I'm not declaring that as a present thing. I'm saying this is something that I've been having, I'm just, hey, if you're just joining us, Pastor Darren here, I'm confessing sin. So welcome, everybody uh, come in and share this broadcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, going into this year of 2020 um, and it being a political year, man, I just did not want to intertwine with, uh, I didn't want to entangle with that whole kind of political thing. There's a thing called a political spirit. But hey, guess what? There's also a thing called a religious spirit. And the two are actually, uh, probably actually the same spirit. They just wear different masks. But I, I just did not want to become anything political, especially because I saw these people on Facebook and they were getting political. I thought they were getting weird and carried away and just, um, uh, uh, just, just crazy. And I just did not want to become like that. The parallels between my struggle against the church and a pastor and, and my struggles with not wanting to be political, it, it, it's just, you know, side by side. And so I went into this year just like, like pleading with our church, do not drink the Kool-Aid, right? Like I, I would, I would say things like, I'm not political, but I'm governmental, right? I would say these different, say these different things. Um, and, uh, and, and, and now I'm, I'm in this place where I'm, I'm, I'm willing to have this conversation with the American flag, um, uh, uh, uh b- behind me, <laughs> willing to have a, a political conversation. So yes, I'm a pastor. I'm hosting a political co- uh, conversation. Um, and if you don't like it, I don't care. Um, uh, but hopefully that some people, uh, will watch this. And I hope that when people in the future say, uh, Darren, you're not allowed to be political because it's a free country, but not for you because you're a pastor. I can use this video and I can just share it with them and say, hey, God bless you. Um, watch this video and here's, here's my uh, response. My response is in light of what I have personally experienced and seen in light of the fact that I've had to repent for being a moderate, for not wanting to get too involved, wanting to be on the sideline while criticizing because um, critics are never actually in the game um, uh, uh, because there's players, there's coaches, and then there's critics. Movie critics don't make movies. They just get paid by criticizing everybody else. And so I've found myself not in the field. I've found myself 
on the sidelines, not as a coach, but as a critic. I found myself that it was easier for me to criticize people that are actually in the game than it was to actually be um, uh, uh, in, 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 in involved. And so, um, uh, 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 so I, I went from this place of trying to be on the outside, <laughs> right? And so in light of my own experience of what I've seen, what I've seen in our country, what I'm seeing in the church right now, uh, more importantly, what I'm not seeing in the church right now in light of what I've been hearing and more importantly, what I'm not hearing um, right now, I feel like, man, somebody's got to say something, right? Like somebody's got to do something. And so, um, so this is me pleading with believers, pleading with church leaders that we have to stop fearing man, that the fear of man is demonic and it must be judged within our hearts. It must be judged within the church. And I pray that we'd have the boldness and the courage to judge ourselves, that we'd be good self-judges in this time because the fear of man has robbed the church of power and influence, the power of God from heaven to earth, and it has robbed us of our practical influence horizontally um, within our cities and within our nation. If you don't like the state of the nation, don't blame uh, Obama, don't blame Trump, blame pastors, and not that we should be blaming anyone, but as the church goes, so goes the nation. When you have church leaders, when you have apostles, prophets, pastors, hey, teachers, evangelists that have abdicated their authority, that they have contextualized ministry to the sum of having a microphone on a church stage with very little involvement locally on a state level or on a national level, and then we boo-hoo-hoo and get out our Kleenex when a vote doesn't go the way that we had hoped. And so um, uh, in light of everything that I've been experiencing and seeing, in light of everything that you've been experiencing and seeing, this is a time not to just conceptually or philosophically wake up, but this is a time when we repent for fearing man and not fearing God, for blaming pastors, prophets, for blaming, and by the way, it's very popular to blame prophets right now. Again, why? Because the people that are blaming prophets, the people that are saying, prophet so-and-so, you need to repent for getting your word wrong. These are the people uh, that are not on the field. They're on the sidelines. They're on the movie. They're the movie critics, not the filmmakers, right? Uh, They are the accusers, not the creatives. And so these, these lines are drawn in the sand by our own hearts. We are not victims of our judgments. We, uh, we are, we make other people victims because of our judgments. And when we're operating in this kind of bitterness, which stems from some form of brokenness, and we are uh, trying to people please to the degree that we are apologizing publicly for, for saying something that the Lord told us to say. Like if the Lord said, I want you to deliver this message, you were obedient to the Lord, and then you are apologizing for being obedient to the Lord, then Houston, we have a major, major problem. <sighs> Listen, it is the responsibility of pastors 
and not just pastors, but of believers to stand up for the Lord and to protect these freedoms and liberties that have been granted to a moral people through our U.S. Constitution. Again, this is a moral responsibility as a moral people that we would speak up for, that we would vote for, and that we would be on the front lines of this Constitution. It used to be, um, historically, with in our country, before we turned into cowards, that political conversations and debates and discourse, that these things were hosted by the church, at the church. And now you have anything of a political frequency and people feel the liberty to throw rocks at you and to say, Pastor Darren, F you. And to say, Pastor Darren, you belong in jail. And to say, Pastor Darren, um, uh, you are compromised. That uh, uh, Somebody just recently just told, and you can just read through the comments on my Facebook, because I, I quit deleting them. I was like, you, you got to have a full-time job just to delete, delete comments. And so um, uh, 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 to have all of these comments uh, coming at you, why? Uh, and, and, and this is before I made a video like this. This is the first time I've ever even had an American flag like on a video or, 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 anything, or anything like that. But the church used to be the center of political conversation, and now we are terrified to say anything uh, 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 political. Um, um, you might not realize this, but our country is a country. We are the United States of America because of the Revolutionary War. And we also know that if you read your history, that the church was a major influential institution uh, for the uh, Revolutionary War, that, that some of the greatest leaders were pastors. And I want to expose you to a pastor by the name of Peter Muhlenberg, who was a general underneath George Washington. But before he was a general, he was a pastor. And this was a pastor who was not a coward. This was a pastor that went before his congregation in the early morning of 1776, and he preached a sermon out of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, where he explained to everything that there is a season. For every purpose, there is a time under heaven. He preached this sermon to his congregation, and then what he did is at the end of the message, he declared, there's a time, there's a season for everything. He said to his congregation, and now is the time to fight. Then he walked to the back of, the, of, of his church, uh, uh, to where the door was, where he took off his black robe, revealing to the shock of his congregation he was wearing a military uniform. Marching to the back of the church, he said to his people, who among you is with me? On that day, 300 men from his church stood up. And they joined Peter Muhlenberg. They eventually became the 8th Virginia Brigade fighting for liberty. This was a, uh, a famous general. Before he was a general, he was a pastor. And 300 men, uh, coincidentally, the number of men that Gideon had and his army, Peter Muhlenberg, pastor, 
Peter with his army of 300 that they became a, a, a major, inf- the, the, the 8th Virginia Brigade fighting for liber- liberty, eventually becoming a three-star general underneath George Washington himself. Choose! Like, for all these people that say that pastors shouldn't be involved in politics, you better thank God that pastors were involved in politics. Otherwise, we might not even have a country when you see the influence that pastors had in the Revolutionary War that brought about the independence of the United States of America. That thing was because pastors were not cowards. They took a stand. They took a stand for what they believed was freedom given to us. Us by God himself. Also, Peter Muhlenberg, if you look at his uh, influence, um, after he was done uh, uh, with the war, he continued to serve his country. He became a member of the Pennsylvania Constitutional Convention and was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives not once, but three times. He also was elected to the Senate in 1801. How stinking dare him? How dare that pastor be involved in politics? Man, shame on him. Now, let's just talk about that statement. Shame on him. Because I've had, a, I've had uh, 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 tons of people on my Facebook, and even people that I know, say, shame on you. Listen, if you are a believer, you need to stop shaming people. In fact, if you call yourself a Christian, you better not say shame on you, because that's what Satan does. Satan says, shame on you. That is not what God does. I have done some stupid things in my life, and never once has Jesus ever come to me and said, shame on you. In fact, you know what? Not even my own mom has ever come to me and said, shame on you. Can I tell you why? Yeah, because Jesus doesn't shame people. He takes the shame off of people. That that even when I've seen some despicable stuff in downtown Seattle, I spent uh, four days at CHOP. I spent seven hours in the Portland riots. I saw some stupid stuff and some people doing some stupid things. Never once did I say shame on you. You know what I said? I said shame off of you. So if you're a believer, stop using that language because when you use that language, you are part with the spirit of the accuser of the brethren, and that is Satan himself. And if you're a believer and you are using this kind of language, you need to repent because most likely you are functionally professing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but the reality is you have no functional intimacy with Jesus. I don't care if you say you believe in God. Jesus said that even the demons believe in God and they shudder. I don't even know if some of you shudder when you think even the demons have enough respect and enough intelligence to shudder a little bit, to quake a little bit at the thought of God and to think that there are so many people in America who call themselves Christians who say they believe in God and yet they do not even shudder when they say his name. That is of great concern to me and many of you, um, uh, uh, I am deeply, deeply concerned and I would call your pastor, but most of you that have been using this language don't even have pastors because you don't attend a church. In fact, you don't even attend an online church and you need to check yourself in this season. And and, and I'll be surprised if you're even still watching um, by this point. But if you do get this far into the video, uh, God bless you. you, uh, uh, you, you're You're doing well. 
So when it comes to, like, why wouldn't we be involved? The fear of man is the biggest thing at work, especially uh, in anyone involved in politics. Um, uh, uh, when I see Republicans on TV lately, uh, I can hardly watch them. They are literally, some of them are shaking. I saw one, uh, 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 one Republican the other night, he was about to cry. He was about to break down crying. Why? Because Republicans, according to this narrative right now, that an angry mob stormed the Capitol, which did not happen. I can tell you that if an angry mob of 500,000 people stormed the Capitol, they would have easily taken the Capitol, especially because there's only 20 police officers that were guarding that door because uh, local uh, government and uh, in coordination with uh, Pelosi and, and Schumer and whoever else uh, sent the police home at 10 a.m. But I, I, I can tell you this, if, if that angry mob wanted to take the capital, um, they would have taken the capital. But needless to say, there is this narrative that uh, President Trump got everybody all riled up. Uh, he did. He came out with uh, both with blue paint on his face. He came out on, on a horse. He came out with a big sword and he, he and he rallied everyone and he told everyone to storm the White House and that's what they did and and, and we all stormed uh, the, the not the White House but we all stormed uh, the Capitol building and and we all yelled free. You know, th th that's the narrative uh, uh, that, that's being done right now and that, that, that President Trump instigated uh, 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 the violence, you know, all the, all the violence. And, and, um, and, and that's what's being said. And right now, uh, President Trump looks disgraced. And right now, uh, the Republican Party looks disgraced. And right now, a lot of influential leaders in the church, they feel disgraced. Why? Because they vouch, because they had the audacity to vouch for a president who is the most pro-life president um, in, in modern day history. And maybe maybe the first president that ever had the courage to show up at a pro-life rally. Uh, <laughs> right? And so, of course, pastors and leaders um, uh, were hoping for the best. But, but now, many uh, people in politics and many people in the church, they feel ashamed that they spoke publicly uh, uh, endorsing President Trump and they feel ashamed because of because uh, they believe this narrative that's being told um, by uh, by the trustworthy media because they would never lie and and so um, and we're believing this this thing and now we're issuing public apologies why because of fear because of the fear of man because if you don't have votes you don't have a job when you're a politician. And many people in the church, listen, if God told you to apologize, you apologize. If you didn't hear from the Lord and you said you did, then you need to apologize. You need, you need to repent. But if you're doing something because of the fear of man, then you need to repent again. That we don't have control of the, that the future is not fixed. If you read your Bible, God's always changing his mind. Why? Because he's always looking for a people to partner with. We're not robots. You're not robots. Listen, if Adam and Eve were robots, then there's no such thing as love, and, we, and they never would have eaten the, the fruit of good and evil, and they never would have uh, 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 rebelled. That this thing is not an algorithm. That God is not up there as this uh, divine algorithm uh, maker that the, the, and the, this prophet missed it. And, and, and now listen, um, I've got a friend who served underneath David Hogan just, 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 just a couple of years ago. And, and, and <laughs> I hope it's okay I share this. Um, David Hogan <laughs> told this, this minister, a good friend of mine, he said, I'm not a big fan, and I'm being really polite, and I'm going to water this down. 
down right now, but he's I'm not a big fan of the modern day uh, American prophetic movement. But there are two prophets that I believe are true prophets in our country, and that is Bobby Connor and Charlie Shamp. And when I look at Bobby Connor, when I look at Charlie Shamp, um, I look at two men that have not apologized for speaking what the Lord spoke to them. Why? Because if they did, their integrity would be in question, at least by me. Like if I heard somebody say, I heard from God, and then I'm sorry, I repent, I did not hear from God. Then at that point, you're kind of like, what? <laughs> really? And these are, and so I believe that there is a battle right now that there is a spirit of Jezebel that is coming to convince our generation and nation that the prophetic is not legitimate within our country, within our nation, and it's trying to convince people through a sloppy um, uh, understanding of the sovereignty of God and a fixed future. We are all just victims of a, of a God where the future is fixed. The prophets should know what the future is. And if, and, if, and if they don't predict the future, they're not a prophet. And I can't get into that right now, but if that's your understanding, you've, you have a very shallow understanding of the word of God and you, and, and, uh, and you do not understand the role of what a prophet is. A prophet does not exist to predict the future. A prophet exists to communicate with God's heart that the will and intent of God's heart would be revealed to a people who would partner with that will in order to see that future forged. The next thing is that people would say, don't you know about the separation of church and state? Listen, the separation of church and state, that was not created in order to keep the church out of the affairs of the state. That was, that was created to keep the state out of the affairs of the church because the United States of America came underneath this British model where you had a state church that was in charge of everything. We see even the pilgrims that came to our country in search of what? religious freedom. Therefore, we had language established from the very beginning to protect the integrity of our freedom within our religious freedom to keep the government out of the church, right? And not to keep the church out of the government. If you think that the church needs to stay out of the government, just that it's been way too long since you've studied the history of American government. The church has always been involved in the affairs of the government, but our founding fathers did due diligence to keep the government out of the affairs of the church. The next thing is that people have been uh, telling me that I am worldly. I even had one person tell me that, that I, I better get on my knees and start to pray instead of getting, I had, uh, uh, a person even say that I have to make a choice if I'm going to be um, a warrior or a peacekeeper. And I'll, I'll just respond to, that I need to make a choice. Am I going to be a warrior or a peacekeeper? Listen, I have never once in my life ever said that I'm going to be a peacekeeper. We've already got the United Nations. The United Nations, they are the, the peacekeeper. And we all know how amazing and influential. We're all so incredibly thankful for the United Nations. They are God's gift to the earth, right? Listen, we've already got the United Nations. We do not need the church to be the United Nations. Please, we do not need that. Jesus did not say, blessed are the peacekeepers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. And there's no way to be a peacemaker unless you are a warrior. Why? Because where do we need peacemakers? We need peacemakers where there's injustice, where there's conflict, where there is 
chaos. You even know that Wyatt Earp had a famous revolver and the gun was called the peacemaker. Why? Because when you had bandits hijacking a town and robbing that town of justice, in would come Wyatt Earp with his, with his peacemaker. And when Wyatt Earp was done, peace would be restored. It's time for the church to shot up their feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace so that we stop tripping in the mud when we need to be standing firm. To think that we are speaking up for our freedoms, liberties, and areas of massive grave injustices within our country. To think that silence is peacekeeping and that Jesus said blessed is the peacekeepers is the greatest distortion and lie that the church has believed and we've called that love. The last thing that I just wanted to hit on was this idea that um, uh, what, should pastors be political and that, that Christians shouldn't be political is that if we're going to not be political, if we're not going to be governmental, then you better rip out almost every book out of your Old Testament. Why? Because God has never separated himself from the political scene. In fact, when you read your Bible, you'll see that our God is very, very, very governmental. In fact, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. I'm stealing this from Pastor Tom Cornell over at Sosa Church, that he didn't just preach the gospel. Um, and that's been a great um, ripoff. The church has been ripped off saying, everything's about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. That's a half truth. It's not about just the good news. It's the good news of the kingdom of God. And you don't have a kingdom without a king. And it's time for us to realize that we've got books in our Bible called First and Second Kings. You've got kings that were established by prophets because God would speak to prophets to anoint kings. You've got a whole book in your Bible <laughs> called Judges that God has always been. You've even got King David that Jesus was born in a, in, 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 in a line, according to the line, the order of King David from the lineage of David. King David, President David came forth Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so, all right. For people that are saying that Christians shouldn't be political, that pastors shouldn't be political, it's because you haven't read the Old Testament, at least in the last year. I, maybe you haven't even opened the Bible, period. Read the Bible. Look about how Jesus is the king of all kings and how he is coming back to rule, to reign, and to judge nations. So what do I think we should do? I think we should stop apologizing. Yeah, because, because the, the point is, is that, um, that we're not going to disciple nations, which, by the way, doesn't mean to evangelize people. It actually means to, provide, it means to provide governmental leadership over nations, which you better bet if you're allergic to politics, you're going to have some pretty big rashes when it comes time to fulfill the Great Commission, which is to disciple nations, not just evangelize people. So if you're breaking out in rashes right now, put on some rash cream because we've got to get over this. Okay, we've, we've, we've got to mature as, as a people. And so this is where I call you to action. And I'm just going to make it super, super practical. This is where you invest yourself on the front lines within the context of a community. Because if you're in isolation right now, then you are not going to be in active service in the army of God. 
reach out to me. I've been, I've been connecting people into communities. I've been trying to. People are reaching out to me saying, I live in this state. I live in this church. If we're personal friends on Facebook, you'll see um, almost every week I've been putting up, hey, I need a, a church in this area. And you guys have been giving me feedback. I just had somebody else say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm moving uh, over here. I need to find a church that, that, that and, 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 and I'm so passionate about this. I don't think you should just move to a state because you got a job. I think you should move to a state because you found an army that you want to partner with. I don't think that our careers are the most important thing right now. I think that the kingdom of God is the most important thing right now. I, I, I really believe that every Christian should be in church on Sunday. It doesn't have to be Sunday morning. It could be Sunday night. See, my employer doesn't let me find a new employer. I, I, I am so uh, serious about this. Why? It's not about church attendance. It's about finding a people that you're going to covenant with, that you're going to say within the context of community, we're going to say yes to our responsibility to protect the freedoms and liberties given to us within our country. We are going to be demonstrators of the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. And that means that his kingdom has to come, his will has to be done on earth as it is in heaven through a kingdom people. That is a people that think like kings. The next thing is that we have to learn how to truly share our faith. We have to learn how to actually speak up. Uh, People always say, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. The problem is that you got all these believers that never use words and have never led anyone to Jesus. In fact, church, church statistics will say that the majority of Christians in the United States of America have never led one person to the Lord. Why? Because we've believed the lie that that's not the role of believers, that's the role of pastors. We think that the place that people get saved should be in a church building. Again, the problem with that is the Bible. Read the book of Acts and look at where revival breaks out. Very seldom in church buildings. The next thing is that we would make a commitment to justice. We'd make a commitment to social justice. That we'd make a commitment to the lives of the unborn. A thousand babies aborted in our country every single day. Right? Actually, I'm sorry. That's just, that's just actually a thousand African-American babies that are aborted uh, within our country. But just shy of a million babies are legally executed in our country uh, every day. And yet our, our nation is shutting down, not because of the unborn, right, but because of the flu. All right, the next thing is, uh, so justice. We have got to commit ourselves to justice, to the needs of the poor, the widows, the orphan, the fatherless, uh, uh, the prisoners, that we would commit our lives to those that are prisoners of addiction, um, and that we would commit ourselves to the injustice of abortion within our country. And the last thing is that we commit ourselves to the redemption and the renewal of cities. And this is where I am committing myself before the Lord to be open to his perspective and heart, even for the city of Seattle, because listen, your suburb is not changing the culture. It's cities that create culture. Listen, I don't really want to change culture. I want to create culture. I want to create kingdom culture. I want to do this by partnering, you, yeah, you guessed it, with kings. Listen, in 2021, it is time to partner with kings, not cowards, because who you partner with, that is who you're going to become.
that we are the fruit of our communities. And so if we are in a community where everybody's partnering with the spirit of fear, then don't be surprised if every day your kingdom fruitfulness is amounting to nothing. Don't be surprised if your cherry tree has no cherries on it. Why? Because you've surrounded yourself with people that are not doing the works of the kingdom because of, because of, a, a, because of a virus or because of something that they saw on TV or because of something like that. I do like the movie Braveheart. I do like the line that everyone dies. I'm going to someday die, right? But not everyone really lives. That in this time, we as a people, in the context of community, learning how to share and live out our faith for the cause of the gospel of the kingdom, executing justice, because after all, that's just what the righteous are called to do, that we would make a commitment to our cities, to see our cities redeemed and restored. That the city of God can come and kiss our cities. In order for that to happen, we're going to have to repent for believing the lies spoken and framed over our cities. And we're going to have to see our cities in accordance with how our Father sees our cities. So, uh, listen, I'm, I'm sorry it's probably offensive because I've gotten way too practical. But you need to be engaging with people. You need to be learning how to share your faith, executing justice and making a fresh commitment to the renewal and the redemption of our cities. This is what God is calling for us to do. Listen, if I can serve you in any way, you hit me up, you send me an IM. Listen, I don't want all your QAnon and stuff. I don't want all your conspiracy stuff. I don't care about any of that. Listen, if, if you have a real question, if we can support you or serve you in a real or practical way, you let me know and we would love to partner with you in that Listen now, President Donald J. Trump is not the hope of our nation. Jesus the Christ operating in accordance and, and, and manifesting through this thing called the body of Christ, which is the church, is the hope for the United States of America. The church, not Washington, D.C., is the most powerful institution and organization on the earth, which is why we are such a target, which is why I'm getting attacked the way I'm getting attacked, which is why you're getting attacked the way that you're getting attacked. But guess what? I can handle the, the attack. You want to know why? Because I'm not in the trenches alone. I'm not fighting alone. I'm surrounded by people locally, regionally, uh, within our state, within our nation, and globally. I am stinking connected. I am surrounded. It's time for you to get connected. It's time for us to work together to see his kingdom come. And that means you better not be afraid of politics. You better not be afraid of government. You better not be afraid of the church. It's time to engage. Yeah? And I told you how. Listen, if this has been an encouragement to you, don't be a coward. Hit the share button. You're going to get attacked. People are going to call you names. Uh, they call Jesus names. Listen, I, I'm pretty sure, about 80% sure, they're not going to kill you. Uh, they killed Jesus. They're not going to kill you. It's really not going to be that bad. You can hit the block, block button a few times. I've only had to hit it once. Um, so anyways, I love you. I believe in you. Jesus believes in you. He believes in your city. Let's build our Epcots. Let's build our experimental prototypes. Let's engage in community. Let's Let's get over the wounds of yesterday. Let's mature. Let's grow up. Let's go from breast milk to a good steak. And know this, I believe in you. I'm praying for you. Uh, I want to support you. That's all the time that we have. Peace out. 
podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market, and I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible, and you're so supportive, and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review, if you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.